kids, Mr. Jarvis is over there ready to take you out to children's worship. So go ahead and head out. Okay, is that everybody? Nope. (laughs) Waiting on your abs. (laughs) Okay, so as uh, Kevin said, we're going to begin uh, today this series uh, on uh, that a bunch of churches around Richmond are doing. It's a great way for us to express unity with uh, 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 well, with all sorts of churches across all sorts of denominations. Uh, in the city, um, and uh, as you, you can look in the bulletin, there's all sorts of resources and that kind of stuff. And so just a couple of things to say up front. Uh, one is, uh, it, what we're going to do on uh, Sunday mornings is not going to answer every single objection and every single question, because that would be impossible. So, uh, But we are going to talk about these questions, and you're going to have opportunities in groups, uh, numerous groups, uh, to be able to bring your questions and 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 talk with other folks about this, so um, it's a it's a I, I hope it's a, a, a helpful uh, and good thing for us to do. I think it will be. It's a great opportunity for us to um, kind of think a little bit about what it is that we actually do believe. So uh, today's question is the question on purpose. What's the purpose of life? And uh, we're going to use First uh, Corinthians chapter seven, verses seventeen through twenty-four, to help us begin to to answer that question a little bit. That text is in the bulletin, and it's also up on uh, the screens behind me. First Corinthians seven, verses seventeen through twenty-four. This is God's word, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Only let each person lead the life that God has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at his time of, at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, Avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. So, uh, over the last month, I've uh, spent an awful lot of time with my dad. And one of the things that uh, I've always known about my dad is that he really likes breakfast. That's his favorite meal of the day. And so uh, we've gone to I've gone to Cracker Barrel more in the last month than probably my whole life. So uh, he loves Cracker Barrel. He likes, uh, well, he was eating Uncle Herschel's breakfast. That's on the menu. And now he's eating uh the fall fried special, which I had with him on uh, on Tuesday morning, as a matter of fact, and it was as advertised. 
It was really good, actually. I'm like, why don't I go to Cracker Barrel more often? So one of the things, one of the things that we, we, uh, if you've ever, if you've never been to Cracker Barrel, you, you won't understand this, but, uh, one of the, one of the things that you note when you walk into a Cracker Barrel is, is the walls are covered with stuff. I mean, uh, usually like old stuff, right? Like tools and, and all, 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 all of that. So, um, and weird pictures, kind of actually kind of scary pictures. I didn't like the pictures. But one of the one of the things that w- w- we were there one day and a couple of my kids were with us and we were looking around at the stuff on the walls. And, and my dad knows what all of this, these things are. He's he's you know, he knows every tool that's ever been made. And so we were looking at one thing that was on the wall. And I asked my son, Guy, I'm like, do you know what that is? And he's like, I don't I have no idea what that is. Um, never seen anything like that before in my life. And I said, well, your Uncle Brad and I planted a 10-acre field of corn with that thing one time. It's a corn planter. And <clears throat> he was like, really? Because it's, it's, a, it's a thing with two handles on it that you go like this, and it's got a little bucket on it. And as you work it like this, sticking it in the ground, it makes the seed drop through a little slot into the ground. So now ours was broken. Of course, everything on our farm was broken growing up. But uh, and I think it was broken on purpose because my brother stuck the thing in the ground and I dropped the seed down the uh, uh, down the little chute. And I think my dad did that on purpose so that both of us would have something to do on this project. Right. So as we looked around the, the room and we were de- de- describing what all these tools were, my kids were like, I would never guess that that's what that's for. I would never guess that's the purpose of that. It, it would never occur to me that that is what you would use that particular thing for, right? So one of the things that is so interesting about life is that we believe, all of us believe, that things have purposes, that they exist for a reason. Go ahead and put my notes up, Becky. So, so that whatever, you know, whether it's a tool, whether it's a person, whether it's a cat or a dog or whatever, we like to think of things as having a purpose, having a point, having a reason for uh, for being here. And so one of the things that is the probably one of the most important questions we could ever ask ourselves is, is what is the purpose? of life. But even more than that, what's the purpose of my life? What's my purpose? Why do I exist? Why am I here? Right? And so one of the things that is is profound about that is, is that every human being at some time or another asks that question. And there's all sorts of answers that we give to it. But the Bible's very clear uh, about what the answer is. And if you are a, a longtime Presbyterian, the answer to that question's in the front of the bulletin. Did you look at it? What's the chief end of man? What's man's big deal? What's he here for? To, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So I can sit down now. We've answered the question. That's our purpose, right? I mean, really, what a what a great what a, what a great thing for for uh, 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 and a great summary of what life is all about, right? So, so the thing about it is, though, what I think for most of us, what happens to us when we ask this question is we we we're thinking about something else now. You know, when when you think, does my life have a purpose? Usually what we can do, people like us, people uh, in, in our condition, tend to confuse that question, that question of purpose, with vocation. 
with what it is that you do. Now, there's a difference between what one's purpose is and what one's vocation is, what one does, right? Uh, and and so one of the things that we uh, I spend a lot of my time talking to folks about is trying to figure out what 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 kind of work they can do, what they can give their lives to, what what they can spend their time on, right? So you may be thinking this morning that your purpose is to be a mom or your purpose is to be a dad or your purpose is to be a, an accountant or your purpose is to sell real estate or your your purpose is to sell cars or your purpose is to drill teeth or your your purpose is to, to operate on hearts or hands or whatever, you know. So, so that's one of the things that we think about. And that's a, that's something that's valuable and that's something that's that's important. You may be thinking this morning that what we're going to talk about then with, about purposes is to give you a sense of where you can have the best purpose that's just just suited just for you, right? So one of the ways that we tend to think about this is that we all hope that our vocation, that is what we do, operates at the intersection of our gifts, the things we're good at, right? Uh, and our passions, the things we love. Boy, wouldn't that be awesome? If that's what you did every day that you went to and you did that. Some of you do that. Um, um, and that would be, that would be a great, oh, that would just, that'd be awesome. The problem with that is if, if, if that's all you're shooting for, you're shooting too low. Cause you're built for more than that. Even, even the optimal job where you're doing something every single day that you're good at, and and it's not only something that you're good at, but it's something that you love doing, that gives you energy, that gets you excited doing it. That sounds like that would be heaven, when in fact, it's far short. Because one of the things that you have to see about this is, is that, that, that purpose has to transcend doing. Purpose has to be more connected to being than to doing. For instance... You may look at me and you may think, what Steve's purpose is, is to pastor Western Presbyterian Church. Steve's, Steve's purpose is to preach. Well, the, the problem with that is, what, what would my, what will my purpose be when I lose my voice? What would my purpose be when I can no longer do that? Right? So, so purpose has to be something that's, that's, that's bigger than just what we do. Right. It, it has to transcend that. And it, it has to it, it, it certainly will affect what we do, but it has so much more to do with who we are rather than what we are. Right. And so so as you think about that, don't get don't get don't get too confused about uh, about thinking that what you're going to find out as you as you ask God what your purpose is, is that he's going to dangle a, a, a great job in front of you and you're going to find it and it's going to be awesome. Because the point is, it's, it's so much bigger than that. The, the, the baby in the womb has a perp, God-given purpose. Right? The old person, the invalid, who can't work any longer, still has purpose. Right? So, so do you understand what I'm getting at here? So you gotta get bigger and, 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 uh, what a cutie. Look at that. I wish, uh, Allison, what are you doing with a baby? Anyway, uh, okay, you're sitting with Lisa. I, I see him now. That was, sorry, I got distracted. Was just, uh, it's, it's awesome. Anyway, um, 
So purpose has to be something that's bigger. And if, if, if God gives every human being a purpose, then regardless of your able-bodiedness or your able-mindedness or whatever, you, you have a purpose. And God created you for that. Uh, and, and really, that, that purpose, as I said, has less to do with what you do than with who you are. So, so what I want us to do today is look at this thing is, cause it's big and it matters, right? Uh, now I'm not gonna answer all your questions and if you're, if you're totally skeptical about everything, then, then you're gonna have to go to Kevin's group and, and pin him to the wall with all the questions. But the, but what I am gonna tell you today is, is, and challenge you to do is to think about uh, the dissatisfaction that you experience with giving yourself and finding purpose in all of these things that are around you. And I want you, even if you can't stand to listen any longer to what I'm saying, ask yourself the question, how satisfied you are with that? If you've made your purpose making money, when are you going to have enough? If you've made your purpose finding the perfect relationship, how's that working out for you? If you've made your purpose in life having the perfect yard, what do you think about the drought? Right. So so the so wherever you are, whatever you're whatever you're doing, at least ask yourself those questions. So I want us to do three things this morning. Let's look at the passage a little bit and see the source and the definition of our purpose. Um, And then I want us to look at a few presuppositions behind this understanding of our purpose. And then let's look at why this biblical understanding of our purpose is good and freeing for us. Because the passage that we read this morning really gets at, uh, at exactly what we what we need uh, to see. The Apostle Paul wrote this to a group of Christians in the city of, in Corinth, uh, in Greece, uh, in uh, the first century. And one of the things that he says in this text is, he tells us that our condition, what we're doing, what we're about, when we come to faith in Christ, while that may be very important, is not as important as our union with God through Christ, right? And by Christ. See what he says in verse 17. He says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. And then verse 24. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him there, let there let him remain with God, right? So, so that's one of the things that you have to see about this. What is, what, what matters first and foremost about purpose is not what you're doing, but, but who you're connected to. Are you, as Paul says here, with God? Are, do you have a, 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 a connection by faith, uh, to the one who made you? And as this text says, the one who bought you with a price, right? So, What's also interesting about this text is it says that what matters is recognizing that I'm ultimately not in charge of my purpose. Note the word assigned. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. Now, that might cause you some anxiety, right? It's like God has this purpose for you and he's hidden it in a labyrinth. And you're out here. And he says, find what I've assigned you to do. And as you go through the labyrinth to try to find it, he zaps you along the way if you go the wrong way, right? If that's your God and you think that's the way purpose works, get a better God. 
<laughs> okay, because because that one's not a very good one. All right, that's that is uh, uh, that's that that that's not good at all. So so w- what is it that he's getting at here? What is he what is he saying? Well, you see, what we have to recognize about our lives and the thing that underlies our purpose is I don't choose my purpose. I'm not autonomous in that. Someone else has the say on what my purpose is, right? And and to reinforce that, he says, not only have you been assigned a purpose, not only have you been assigned that, but you have been bought with a price. You don't even belong to yourself if you're in Christ. And so we may we may think that we're in charge, and we may think that we are the ones who are calling all of these shots, but the fact is, it's not that way at all. And in fact... What, what Paul gets at in this text is, as you walk and live and breathe in the purpose that this one who, who, who has assigned a purpose to you, the, this one who died to purchase you, paid the price so that you could belong to him, if, if you look at that, you, you, once you see that, one of the things that is so tremendous about that is, is that we experience freedom. That that is the pathway to freedom. That is the pathway for us to experience the fullness of the joy of what we were created to be. So, so maybe you hear that word assigned and you think, you know what? My life is very difficult. I, I, I must have missed the assignment. You know, I, I have a recurring anxiety nightmare. I wake up in my dorm room. It's exam, final exams. There's a sociology exam. I don't know why it's sociology. I never took a sociology class in my life. But I'm supposed to go take a sociology exam, and I haven't been to class the whole semester. Anybody else have, have that? And you're like, panic, 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 panic. I mean, there, sometimes that, that dream is so vivid to me. I'm like, did I really graduate from college? <laughs> did I? <laughs> you know, what? Are, is that? Did that really happen? What, what, what is going on here, right? So it, it feels like, it, for many of us, that's kind of what our lives feel like is, well, maybe there's this assignment out there, but we just missed it. We didn't see it. We didn't get it. Because, because how could, how could my life, how can my suffering, how can my disappointment, how can my difficulties connect with the purpose that God might have for me. Well, here's the thing. And this is the thing that we have to, that we have to see about this is, is that bigger than all of those things, more important than all of those things, than the, than the things that you do is who do you belong to? To whom do you belong? And once that becomes clear to us, then purpose becomes easy. Now, if you only belong to yourself, then purpose is going to wax and wane, and, and it's never going to be about anything bigger than yourself, probably. But but if, if the purpose that you have reflects on someone bigger and something bigger, then purpose becomes this really beautiful thing, even in the midst of difficulty and suffering. Now, we have to get at a couple of presuppositions that are behind all this. Okay, so let me just say that we're presupposing that there's a God. There's a God. And this God is a person who exists actually uh, three in one in a loving, uh, eternal relationship and that he loves you. 
that he cares for you, that he is mindful of you. Now, now, one of the things that you need to see about that, one of the things that you need to understand about that is, is that that really, really is a profound statement because you are a speck. You're smaller than a speck in the scope of the universe. I heard an astronomer recently say, we're a speck upon a speck upon a speck. Okay, that's that's a lot of specks, right? But as a speck in this giant universe, this God who made you sees you and he loves you and he cares about you. And it grieves him that we miss his purpose for us. And so he does something about that. So, so those, those are the presuppositions that Paul is writing from. And those are the things that are kind of behind what he's, what he's saying. You know, if, if I had been organizing these questions, that there, there's one about, is there a God? Uh, and we're going to talk about that one in a few weeks. I would have done that one first, but I'm sure there's presuppositions behind why they did, why they did them the way that they did them. But anyway, uh, those are some of the assumptions uh, that that we're, we're that we're going to make about this. But there's a couple of other assumptions too, and that is is that the biblical view of people is that we are of immense value and worth. And you see, that's one of the things that you have to see about the value of purpose being something bigger than what you do, because because if if your worth and value is only what you can add to the corporation. If your worth and value is only what you can add to a particular situation, then, then, then your, your worth and your value is, is going to shift and it's going to change. But if you're created, as the Bible says, in the image of God, if he made you, and he made, not only did he make you, but he made you to look a little bit like him, then, then, then the fact of the matter is that, that, that is a, that is a dynamic and great purpose that he has for us, right? So we've already read that text this morning that we are of immense value and worth because we're created in the very image of God. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, let us make man in our image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And male and female, he created them. So this passage tells us that our creator made us mirror-like to image him to draw attention to him and to display and represent him. We're made to reflect God's staggering beauty and goodness so that the world can enjoy its creator even more. Now, you may find that hard to believe, that God finds you more interesting and more beautiful than the solar system, that God finds you more captivating and, and, and more important uh, than all of the natural resources in the universe. You see, that's the thing, that's what it means to see and to understand that we've been created in the image of God. Uh, the constellations in the night sky are stunning. They too declare the glory of God, as does the rest of creation. But for all their dizzying, distracting beauty, the stars weren't made in God's image. Only you were. Only I am, right? So remarkably, God's gifted that privilege to us and to us alone. And so that is a, that is a pretty, 
profound thing. And we, you know, how does this work? You know, how does, how do you reflect the glory of God? Well, we just celebrated, well, not celebrated, but we just recognized the 15th anniversary of, uh, 9-11. And one of the things that is so stirring and so profound about, uh, remembering 9-11 is to see people run to danger, to see people leave places of safety, to go put themselves in a place of danger to save someone else. The reason why that's stirring is not just because it stirs us because of human uh, ability or anything like that. It stirs us because it taps into something that we were created with. That taps into something. It reminds us of the God who made us. When we see sacrifice, when we see love, when we see beauty, those things speak to us, not just because of what they are in and of themselves, but because they reflect to us the one who made us. And it stirs within us. It connects to that part of us that, that, is, that is created in the image of God, that, that sees and understands beauty and truth and sacrifice and love. That's why we resonate with that, because we were made to resonate with that. So the implication of this thought is that we're made then to point out the glory of the one who made us. So even if you don't believe in God, even if you don't acknowledge him, when you love, when you sacrifice, when, when you act in patience, when, when you uh, appreciate beauty, one of the things that you're, you're reflecting back to the one who made you. You're, you're looking a little bit like the one who created you, even though you may not be acknowledging him. And see, that's the wonder of all this. You see, what we have to see about ourselves, what we have to see about this is, is that the purpose that we have is to reflect back to him, reflect him to those who are around us. And so when Jesus Christ steps into the world, what he sees is, is that we are, we're, we're broken. And we're not able to do that because what we will give ourselves to, what we will seek to glorify, what we will seek to find our purpose in is things that are less than small things like money or reputation or sex. Those sorts of things. Those are the kinds of things that, that we, that we tend to give ourselves to rather than the, the big thing, the big someone who made us and who redeemed us. The reason why there's so much frustration and anxiety in people's lives is they're giving themselves to the wrong thing, and their lives are like instruments, tools, parts of a puzzle that because they haven't found their purpose are not doing what they were supposed to do. One of the things, one of the sweet things that we experienced over the last few weeks was remembering uh, funny things that have happened in our family. In 1968, I was alive then, uh, um, my uh, mom's dad was sick. He was dying. He was in the hospital. And so back in the 60s, as a kid, I was an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, I would go, uh, and, but you couldn't go in the hospital. They wouldn't let kids in the hospital back then. They just, for whatever reason, they thought it was bad. You might freak out or, or whatever. And so we would take my mom to the hospital, and then my dad would be responsible for getting meals for my brother and I. And so we were laughing about all the fish that we ate and these weird steaks, fish steaks, mackerel steaks. 
You ever had a mackerel steak before? We ate a lot of mackerel steaks when my grandfather was sick. But the other thing, right outside of Presbyterian Hospital there in Charlotte, was this Greek diner that my dad discovered. And this, the great thing about this Greek diner was that these great hamburgers with piles and piles of fried onions on them. So there's so many onions on them that we couldn't bring them inside the hospital to eat them because they stunk, but they were so good. So my dad would drop my mom off at the hospital. We'd go to the diner, and we'd get these burgers. Well, the first time we did this, we got the burgers, we're in the car, and the burgers came. Back then, you could get a Coke and a six-ounce bottle, a glass bottle, six ounces, but it had a bottle cap on it. Well, we had the Cokes, but we didn't have a bottle opener. So we're looking around the car. What do we got in this car to open these bottles? So I start to use my teeth. And he's like, I've spent so much money on braces. What are you doing? You can't do that. So I'm putting the putting the bottle on the door handle. And I'm going to slap it like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now, I hope this doesn't offend you. But for Christmas in 1968, I got a cap pistol, just like the one Marshall Dillon had on the TV show Gunsmoke. It's called a Fanner 50. And it looked like a pistol, and you did it like this to shoot. Well, I had it on me. (laughs) Okay. And so my dad looks at my pocket, and he sees the pistol sticking out of it, and he says, give me that pistol. And so he takes the hammer on the pistol and he opens the bottle with it. Now it worked, but it also chipped the top of the bottle. And so I'm holding my Coke and I'm looking at these little pieces of glass that are floating in the bottom of the Coke. And my dad says, son, be careful when you get to the bottom of your Coke. (laughs) There's There's a little bit of glass down there. You... You don't want to drink that glass. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it's like. You can make life work without fitting in with the purpose that God has for you. But it's hard, and it's dangerous, and it's ugly. It's difficult. You see, the ironic thing about this is is because we were made in the image of God. When we are set free from giving our hearts to all of these other things and we give our hearts and our glory to the one who made us, who loved us, who bought us with a price, we experience true freedom. Paul says in this text, don't become a slave to man. Don't become a slave to the small things. Don't worship the little things. Don't give your heart to those. Look to the one who died for you, who rose again for you, who is preparing you for glory, and and who made you to reflect that glory. You see, that's the wonder, and that's the great thing about seeing Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his purchase of us as the driving force behind our purpose, that our purpose is with him 
in him and through him so that there's tremendous freedom for us to experience all that God has for us. We, we don't, that's why Paul says it doesn't matter so much about the condition that you're in. Just don't enslave yourself to the wrong thing. Give yourself to the one who died for you and his purpose in your life will emanate in glory and beauty and joy. You see, that's the great news about seeing and finding our purpose, not in something or even in another human, but in the God who made us and who loves us. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk to him right now. Lord, we, we come to you and we thank you for, uh, uh, loving us. We thank you that you made us and we thank you that you have clearly made a way for us to know you. Forgive us for uh, finding our purpose, finding meaning in life and all these little things, all these small things. Forgive us for acting like we're autonomous and in charge. Forgive us for thinking that um, you have uh, uh, taken, uh, you've given us a purpose and yet you haven't really revealed it to us. Help us to trust you. And Lord, I pray for the folks here who are here today who are frustrated with, with their lives, that you would set them free by the work of Jesus Christ, set them free to understand and to know what he has done, uh, to give uh, their lives purpose, uh, to give their lives meaning, and that the purpose is one that is eternal and transcends uh, the human values that we so often place on one another. Lord, we're grateful today that we matter to you because we matter to you. And we're grateful today that our value we're valuable to you because we're valuable to you. I pray that would encourage hearts. And I pray as we see the work that Jesus Christ has done for us that would stir in us and clarify our vision of just how glorious you really are. So, Lord, bless us, help us. Uh, thank you that you've done this work to provide our lives with a point and with a purpose. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.